Here's a theme song, you know it's not a mean song It's a good song, just as it should song American Brews and Tunes Shibbity-beeby-dow I'm singing in the rain Just singing Whoa, in the rain are we starting? Oh yeah, oh sorry, I didn't see it. This microphone was here recording us. Welcome to another episode of Brews and Tunes, a weekly podcast in which we talk about two of our favorite things in one place, Brews and Tunes. Correct. My name is Steven Johnston. And my name is Jesse Titus. So welcome back. This is the fifth episode that we have ever recorded. Ever. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, and this week... Of course, we are going to be listening to. We're going to be talking about two different albums, and we're going to be drinking two different beers. Yes, two new beers. So the album that I have listened to for this past, I'm not going to lie, we took two at least two weeks for this break, right? Not just longer for, for the Christmas for the Christmas, Christmas break. Season. Yeah, even though by the time you hear this, it'll probably be way past Christmas. We like to do that. That's true. Sorry. And also, the album that I listened to was Hazards of Love by The Decemberists, which is a very dense, long, and in-depth album, so I needed some extra time to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the album that I'm going to be listening to is an album called Joyride by Transit. Which is the opposite of long, dense, and in-depth. Yes, exactly. But let's get to the music later. Yeah. Now, what is the second part of this... Something in tunes? What, what is that other part? Uh, bruise. Oh, yes. I thought it was shoes for a second. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I'm oh, not gosh. wearing shoes. Neither am I. So I suppose it only makes sense that... Uh, that it's not shoes and tunes. Yeah. So let us delve into the bruise portion of bruise and tunes. Okay. What are you drinking this week, Jesse? I am drinking a beer by Oscar Blues Brewery. Um, it is called Death by Coconut. It's an Irish porter, I guess. Um, you said it's pretty good. I have I've had never, this one, and had it, it is fantastic. I've never had it. So, I mean, I like I like coconut. I like porters. Mm-hmm. It's bound to be good, right? Yeah, I'm not really entirely sure what they mean by the Irish porter. Maybe that like they go for a little drier of a flavor, but that's not what I got out of it at all. It's just okay. it's really good. It's chocolatey and coconutty and all oh, so delicious. And since it is Christmas time, wink, wink. I am using my Holly Jolly Hammered mug. Which you got as a white elephant gift. Yes, exactly. What a great gift. So there will probably be a picture of this mug on the website, I guess. Yeah, we'll post it. And I myself, this week, am drinking the Stone Imperial IPA. Not Imperial, Imperial, as in Empire. Because their whole take on it was it was a like an English-British-style IPA, whichever yeah. that means. Well, Which, yeah, it would be different, because that's where IPA is... Started. Yeah, when I think of like a, an English IPA, I kind of think more along the lines of like an extra special bitter or something along those lines, you know? Yeah, I mean... A little more malty, but still packs a, a hoppy punch. Well, I, th- I believe... Hoppy punch. I think that's where IPA started, whenever they were oh, they shipping... Oh, they definitely did. They are shipping yeah. beers to India yeah. from Britain, so they had to make cool. them last longer. But over here, we have a lot more American IPAs than true, English IPAs. True, true. So yeah, we're right. used to the... Well, even their American IPAs are all over the board. That'll be interesting to try that one. Oh, I am very curious. So, let's crack these and pour them. And of course... But not yet, before we down the hatch oh, them. Oh, yeah, you're right. Mine's in a can. Mine's in a bottle. Hey, there's nothing wrong with cans. Cans are making a great comeback. They you are. know what they say? Don't call it a comeback. Don't call it a canback. A canback. Wow, your beer is way darker than mine, I can tell already. Oh, wow, yeah, you're right. 
Well, it's it's a porter, but even for a porter, that's dark. Looks more like a stout. Stout technically is Ooh, a porter. It smells a... delicious. It smells like coconuts. Mine smells like Mine kind of smells like a standard IPA. Nothing really sticks out at all. I'm not getting any like citrusy notes. Ah, maybe some slight citrusy notes actually, but it's definitely I can smell um, a nice little hop flavor. Got a nice little head, and this is coming from the brewery Stone, who is known for their big old IPAs. True, they're delicious IPAs. Very, very they actually true. have a beer called the Delicious IPA. Yeah, their gluten reduced IPA. Which it's doesn't, okay. Doesn't really make any sense because like there's still gluten in it. But so if you have just a slight gluten allergy, then it should be all right. But yeah, so we we anyway, digress. We digress. Yeah, we digress. That is a Bruising Tunes original word. <laughs> yes, it is. We should all probably right. put it in Urban Dictionary. So let us. Yeah, we we will. And after, we'll come back to Urban Dictionary in a second and teach everyone our Urban Dictionary word. Okay. <laughs> but uh, like we always say in Bruising Tunes, before having our tasting our beers, we like to say the magical word, which is... Hold on, I didn't get much. There's a lot of, a lot of head in mine. You got foam in your mustache. There's even more foam in your mustache. You got it. Just where I like that. Mustache oh. foam? Wow, this is definitely exactly what I anticipated. It would be uh, like that bitter, like a bitter flavor where the malts don't really, it's very malty, but it's almost not taking away that bitter flavor. And it's not that citrusy bitter flavor. It's like the, like the English hops bitter, which it's, it's really hard to describe. You you take a taste of this Imperial IPA and see what you think. It smells a lot different than an American IPA. Because you can smell the hops. There might be a slight citrus flavor there, but not... Well, it's, it's, it's you not, can like, it smells like... Like whenever we brew beer, it smells like one of the hop pellets. It smells like a hop pellet, yeah. Which, uh, for any of you guys who know anything about brewing beers, you know what hop pellets are. For those of you who don't know what it is, hops wow. are um, the ingredient that they use in beer that gives it its bitter flavor. Unfortunately, there's only a small window which hops are fresh and usable, so when they harvest them, they, they kind of... Um, condense them into a pellet. Yeah. Almost if you like see a fish food pellet or, or something like that. If you've ever lines. had like rabbits. Yeah, rabbits. Or hamsters, like what their food looks like. Yeah, those so that's pellets. essentially what it, that's what what it looks like, but it's, it's like. green and it smells like Delicious. this rich hop aroma, floral, citrusy, and bitter. Yeah. So what do you think about the taste of this beverage? It tastes like I'm eating a hot pellet. Yeah. Like it's you, good though. You get what I mean, where it's like that that bitter kind of doesn't go away. It doesn't turn into that citrusy flavor at all. No, it's it just, just kind of stays that bitter. bitter. Yeah, yeah. Which it's it's nice, but it's I not like what that. I I've never had any IPA like this from Stone ever. Yeah, true. I like it. Well, I mean, they named it correctly then. What do you think about your uh, Death by Coconut? It tastes like I'm eating a milkshake. Isn't it not delicious? It's very good. Uh, the Death by Coconut is only made I think once a year. It's one of their limited releases, and it is oh so good. Uh, it says it says coconut uh, chocolate. Choconut. Choconut. <laughs> choconut. And uh, that's a very good word to use. It's, yeah. It's choconut. Chocolatey it's, and coconut. literally just... And it's it's a, an expensive little can because they, they sell it in four packs and it's still the same price as a six pack, if not more expensive. Yeah. I mean, it's good. Yeah. It's not high gravity. So normally when you see like a four pack, it's because it's a high gravity beer and they're kind of trying to keep it to a smaller amount. But no, not this one. I think it's close to like... I think it's... Under six percent, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think it's like six point something. Yeah, yeah, it's six, which it's six point five. Six point five. Okay, so that's uh, depending Still which which state you're in, that that could be high gravity. 
Not in Tennessee anymore. We had our, a change in liquor laws. This would be 2016. Yes. Not 2017. No, because that was definitely... I, I, I really have a, a hard time believing that they brewed that beer and canned it all within the past yeah. nine days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say this is super delicious. Yeah. And once again, we are using the app, which yes. you can get on any smartphone, any tablet, whatever you're using. It's not specific to Apple or Android or Google or any of those things or whatever. It's called Untapped. And do you want to spell that for the people, Jesse? Uh, sure, I will. Well, since he's stalling, I'll spell it. U-N-T-A-P-P-D. Untapped. Oh, okay. It is a social drinking app. So you can connect with your friends on there. You can see what they're having. You can check in your own beers and you can toast to other beers. You can comment on your friends' beers. But what we like to do is we like to keep track of what we've had so that we can... Like, say you go into a bar and you're looking at a, a big old list of craft beers and you're like... I'm pretty sure I've had this, but I can't for the life of me remember what I thought. Yeah. You log back on, look it up, and you can see what you wrote about it. See what rating you gave it and revisit it. Yeah, exactly. It's a, I mean, it's a super nice app. Oh, yeah. It's, and you also get badges. Badges, yeah. So those are always fun to get. Yeah. Even though they don't really mean anything and they don't help you out at all in life, it's just kind of fun to see a new badge. Uh, they kind of help you out in life. No, they make you feel good. It, yeah, that's about it, though. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're good for the soul. We'll yeah. go for that. Would you get that one again? Um, well, you obviously have a four pack of it, so you're gonna drink it again. But, yeah, I'm gonna. But drink would it. you? Would you ever buy it again? I think I would. I, I bought that before, and I, I would. I I really enjoyed it enough to to order it again, to buy it again. I mean, I like it, but I would never be like, oh, I just really want a coconut chocolate beer right now. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, ooh, I really like. I would like a liquid almond joy right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I ever got in the mood for that, then yes. Uh, there's very few times in my life when I'm not thinking, I wish I had a liquid almond joy. <laughs> <laughs> so if that, if that gives you any clue, I really think that it's a great beer. But of course, I don't think I would, I don't know if I would buy the one that you're having again either. Oh, I don't think I would either. It's, it's a very good IPA, don't get me wrong. But when I'm getting like an IPA, a big IPA, double IPA, it's not what I look for. Like I, I look yeah. for more along the lines of Lagunitas sucks, like that kind of... Yeah. Rich, citrusy, st- yeah. sticks to your mouth kind of hop feel. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, since we were having Surly recently, a oh, yeah. a great Minnesota brewery. Yes, their Todd the Axeman is a fantastic citrusy double yep. IPA. Definitely, yeah, one of the best. Or like we both recently had the Stone and Joy by. Oh yeah, yeah. The Christmas Day, Christmas Day one. Yeah, that yeah. one was really really good. Oh, it was delicious. I had it after Christmas, a couple yeah. days, which that's, that's you can't fault me. That's fine. Uh, but uh, since I said something about us coming back to our uh, Urban Dictionary definition, would you yeah. like to enlighten our, our listeners? <clears throat> yes. Uh, so, if you look up this word in the Urban Dictionary, you will see that it was created by... Jungle Rhubarb. Jungle Rhubarb. Was it just Jungle Rhubarb? I believe so. Just jungle rhubarb. The word is brooping. Now, if you know Steve or I, and you're listening to this podcast and you know us, um, you've probably heard us use this word before. Like, for instance, dude, I'm totally brooping. Oh, you are? That's great news. See, exactly. But what does that mean? 
It means when one is in the process of fecal production but not quite ready to expel. So one is brewing a poop. Brooping. So they're brooping. Yeah, it's like when you're conjuring... <laughs> conjuring up a, a deuce. Yeah. So um, that is our Urban Dictionary word. And pretty soon we're going to be putting the word... Uh, Gress. Gress. For Gress. a short digression yeah, instead of digress, we like just digress. Did you see the Yankee game the other night? Oh, sorry that I just digressed there from the program. <laughs> or you could say, hey, what did you think of football on Sunday? I mean, you are wearing a Steelers hat. Yeah, uh, Steelers are the greatest team in the world. Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, they are the most winning uh, football team of all time. <laughs> uh, you know what? It it's true. Oh, City of sorry, Champions, Pittsburgh. Sorry, we sorry, we grass. We, we grass. Let's get back to the program. Yes. So all in all, uh, let's let's rate this week as far as beers go. Uh, well, I gave this a three point seven five on Untapped. I gave this a four because it's really good, but for an IPA that I want, it's not there. If that makes sense. So I will. I, I wouldn't get it again, but I think it's a very a very good, well done IPA. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. And we're starting a new uh, segment. This week? Oh, yes, we it's are. It's called the Belch Count. I forgot about that. Should we call it the Belch Count or should we call it something else? Uh, burp well, Tally. Burp Tally. Burp Tally, Belch Count. Uh, uh, gas Tab. Counting of the of the burps. Let's call it a, a Gas Tally. Let's, let's just call it a Belch Tally. No, belch, burp, burp, burp Tally. Burp Tally. Because, <laughs> as you all know, drinking a highly carbonated beverage... Gives you the, the gas. Yeah, gives you uh, your We're not stomach. talking about the farts. We're talking about the belches and the burps. Yes. Burp, like that. <laughs> and so <laughs> we've noticed on our past podcast that we've just freely let them fly. Yeah. And we, we kind of chuckle to ourselves. And maybe you chuckle to them also. But we want to <laughs> keep count just for fun. This has no relevance to anything. But whoever has the highest amount of real belches, so you can't force it out. You can't, you can't force it out. I can fake burp. Here's a fake burp. See, that doesn't count. Manufactured Ooh. by me. Not, not manufactured by carbonation, manufactured by me. Yeah. So, these have to be naturally occurring belches from the brews. Yeah. We'll keep a tally each week for myself and for Jesse. And whoever has it at the end is the proverbial winner. All right. Do we have any prizes this week? Not this week, but um, we'll, 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 th- we'll, we'll think of something. Think of, we'll think yeah. of something, yeah. And if you have any, any ideas, uh, feel free to leave us a comment. Yeah. Uh, or to send us an email on our website, which is brewsandtunespodcast.com, a site where you can look in all the beers we've had, you can listen to every episode, you can see pictures that we've posted, and you can look up all the links that we've kind of put up, like yeah. this, the YouTube links for the songs, the bands, etc., etc. Yeah. Just a fun way to keep in touch. And we also have mm-hmm. a Facebook page. You can look us up, Brews and Tunes. Easy to find. Yes, sir. All right. I feel like we've sufficiently covered the bruise aspect of this podcast. Yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll check back in on the bruise in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and we're gonna, like we said before, beers naturally expose their flavors as they warm up. So, it's as true. these beers warm up, we'll be able to taste them a little better. And if our opinions change, we will let you know. All right, I'm gonna start it out because let's just start out with the biggest first. <laughs> and leave the best for last. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I jest, I jest. <laughs> Um, but I'm just going to start it first because I think that's kind of the format that we've been taking where I just kind of yeah, yeah, go yeah. first. Yeah, I usually go first, so. 
So Jesse recommended this album called Hazards of Love by the band The Decemberists. For the me. Hazards of Love. The Hazards of Love. I had uh, no knowledge of who the Decemberists were, except for I got one of their songs for free download on iTunes. Which one was it? I don't know. It was not the song oh, that I thought it was. Was it a? Uh, um, it was off one of their newer albums, right? Probably irrelevant though. Okay. Because I'm not gonna remember what it's called. Down even by if, the river, something like that. I think that might be it, actually. Yeah. But I thought that it was a different song, and we. Um, My body tells me no. No, that's not the December. Yeah, that's what I thought was the December. Isn't that young, I was very isn't that wrong. Young the giant. Yes. Yeah. I was very incorrect, and I owed Jesse a dollar, and then. Yeah. And then we made another bet, and he owed me a dollar, so we canceled it out. <laughs> We doubled or nothing. So I had no uh, preconceived knowledge of the Decemberists other than the one song which I really didn't think was their song. So <laughs> I had no interest in listening to the Decemberists. They sounded like a pretentious band just based on the name the Decemberists. I'm not even sure yeah. why. It just yeah. They get I, lumped I know in. What even, you mean. even because they get lumped in with that indie genre, that you just kind of have that preconceived notion of yeah. pretentiousness. Yep, definitely. And I hate to think that about bands that I haven't listened to, but it happens. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so he, he recommends this album for me called The Hazards of Love. And I look into it, and it's 17 songs long. Yeah. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> In the same way that Kevin from The Office says, are you, you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> nah, but 17 songs, when you actually delve into the album, isn't too bad, and it really goes quick. Yeah, I think it's only about an hour long. Yeah, the album is about, about an hour. And it is 100% a concept album. Yes. If I didn't know any better and I just listened to it, I would say this is the soundtrack of a musical or an opera. Yep, yeah, that's that's how I would frame it. It's like, yeah. it's, like it's like you're watching a play, but it's just the soundtrack. Yes, and so the whole album follows one singular story, and there's no dialogue. All the story is kind of traced out uh, through the lyrics and through the yeah yeah through uh, what song. they song yeah, what they sing song. through the song, um, and I'm just trying to think where to begin. Uh, it's Sorry. it's kind of like who's what's the the writer's name? Do you remember the writer? Yeah, the the, the singer songwriter, the, the oh, main guy from the December. Oh, it's a uh, Colin Malloy. Yes, I think so. This guy, what from what Jesse tells me is. I think he majored in creative writing, we think. Yep, yeah, I looked yeah. it up earlier today. Yeah. He studied uh, English and theater, and, and then he studied creative writing. And so he wrote this album. I wouldn't be surprised if he wrote down a short story or play, Oh yeah. and he, then based the entire album off of that. He also has a trilogy of books, children's books. Well, this, chil- children fantasy books. Yeah. And this, like adventure books. This book is definitely, or <laughs> this album is definitely like a fantasy adventure story. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna outline the entire story right now. Okay, right yeah. Now, That's and then a good we'll idea. talk yeah, about then, the song. Then we'll afterwards. delve into each song. Yeah. And if I um, miss anything, feel free to correct me because okay. you've known the album for a lot longer than I have. Yeah. And keep in mind, to all of you listening out there, it took me three weeks to really get a grasp on everything that happened in here. I, I read a lot of websites that detailed everything that was happening. But to kind of listen to it a bunch of times, it, it takes a while to absorb everything. And, yeah. and musically, sonically, lyrically. Yeah, definitely. Uh, oh, oh, there's <laughs> one for me. Okay. So. This burp tally is great. <laughs> this, this story starts off with this uh, lady named Margaret who's riding through the forest. Yeah. As, as one does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she stumbles upon this little fawn, which... Uh, 
Fawn's not really a contemporary uh. term anymore. Okay, there you go. That's another tally for you. Uh, Fawn's not a contemporary word really anymore like it used to be. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a half man, half deer. Is that kind of what a fawn is? Well, I think I think it's just a, a baby deer, a fawn. Baby deer. You're thinking of a, a satyr? No, no, I, I, I'm I guarantee you fawn's half man, half deer type thing. No. Like Sir Tumnus the fawn? He's not a fawn. He's a fawn. Well, well, that's what Lewis called him anyway. Okay, well, well, let's just go with the deer for the sake that I don't want to argue right now. <laughs> I like to not, I, I, I don't like our conflict. <laughs> I always so, thought it was just a deer. She stumbles upon this deer, we'll, we'll go with that. A, fa- a fawn, a, a small creature. And fawn, right? And he's trapped, he's got his leg kind of ca- caught up in this bush, right? Yeah, yeah. And so she, being a gentle woman, gets off mm-hmm. of her horse and frees him. And lo and behold, he turns into a man. Yeah. A good-looking man by her accounts. Yes. Yep. Uh, and the two um, immediately fall in love at first sight. Yeah, they hit it off. Uh, and they hit it off in the biblical terms. Yes. We'll just leave it at that and not get too graphic. Yep. Uh, and they don't really talk too much. They just kind of part ways after that. And they kind of have that, wow, that was a... a I'm uh, thinking about this other person. I'm thinking yeah. about this other person. Yeah, there's like a, there's both like a there's like a, a seed set in each of their minds. Yeah, and so the fawn, who's actually a man, stays in the forest, and she returns to her village. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, she becomes pregnant, uh, and yep. she continues to think about this man in the forest. So she goes back in, and she has no idea where to find him. So she returns to where she met him, and he's not there. So she calls out, "Where are you? Where are you?" Trees, ground, leaves, help me find this man yeah. fawn thing. And, and eventually he, he finds her and catches up and they have another intimate moment mm-hmm. uh, and fall in love even more. Uh, and they decide that they want to spend the rest of their lives together. Eventually it comes out that this man's mother is the queen of the forest. Yep. And she is a fantastical, mythical queen. She's got powers. Yeah. Yep. And she's witnessed these two uh, in love and she is not happy. Yeah. Uh, and so the man you find out has been cursed to be a fawn by day and a man by night. Uh, this is what the mother did. She rescued him as a child, but she placed upon that him that curse so that she'd mm-hmm. always be with her. Yeah. And so the man, whose name is William, begs his mother to let him go so he can be with this woman because he loves her so much. Yeah. And she's like, no, why, why are you asking this? I'm the one who saved you, and this is how you repay me, by leaving me for some woman? Yeah. And they beg, he begs and begs, and eventually she's, he comes to this compromise where he's like, let me go for this one night and then I'll return to you forever. And she's like, fine, you can do that. Yeah. And so he leaves uh, to meet up with her. Secretly, the queen um, gets this new character called the rake mm-hmm. who is a they uh, before we, you actually find out what the rake does they give you some backstory he's a he was a womanizer and then he finally got married to this extraordinarily attractive woman mm-hmm. had three kids with her and she died in childbirth for their fourth child yep so he's left without the wife whom he, uh, i'm positive it was lust not love mm-hmm and he's left with three kids who he doesn't care for, so he murders them all, and now he's free. Yeah. So that's who the, this character, the rake, is. She kind of pulls him aside and says, listen, like the queen says, listen, rake, take this woman, Margaret, get her away from my son, 
Yeah. And do what you want with her. Kill her. Do whatever. I don't care. Just keep him away. She calls him the, or she she calls her the temptation. Mm-hmm. And so the rake obliges, kidnaps this girl. And so William's like, "Where is my love? Where is my love? I need to find her." Um, and meanwhile, the rake is kind of he has Margaret bound, kind of mm-hmm. like over his shoulder, carrying away. He crosses this river, which is like, the, how would you describe this river? Very deep. Deep. Wide. Fierce. Rushing. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a, a, a good concept for it. If you've ever seen Lord of the Rings, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, that's the first thing I think of. Yeah, same, same. When they cross the river when, after whenever Frodo's Ar- got stabbed yeah. with the sword. Yeah, whenever Ar- And the ring raids are chasing him. Yeah. That river that swipes the ring raids away. That kind yeah. of river where if you try and take a foot in it, it's going to sweep you away and kill you. Yeah. The queen helps the rake cross this river with Margaret so that William will not be able to follow them. Yeah, remember cuz the queen has like control over Yeah, so she like, she actually everything. flies them over that river. Yeah. And so William gets to the edge of the river and he's like, "I'm crossing this river whether it kills me or not. Yep. Please give me safe passage because I don't care if I die. I'm getting to my one true love." Yeah. And so eventually he gets safe passage. Uh and the rake, who's about to, uh, for lack of a better term, defile uh, Margaret, yeah. is stopped by the ghosts of his three children who he murdered. Yeah. And they kind of just freak him out so much that he like is so distracted and let he, she escapes. And William catches up with her, and they realize that they cannot have a life on this earth. If they stay there, the rake will eventually catch up and kill them both or just do something terrible. If they make it to the other side, then they'll be in the um, and his mother the clutches of the queen. Yeah, they can't go back to the town because he's going to turn back into a fawn eventually, and then it's it's not going to work out. So they yeah. decide to marry themselves and kill themselves in the river. Yeah, yeah, and they, they, they decide to drown themselves. They drown themselves to escape the hazards of love. Yeah. So that took us a long time to explain the entire plot of that album, but yeah. that's what it is. Stretched over seventeen songs. And musical genius, because mm-hmm. they do a lot of really smart things to kind of tie this album together. Yeah, definitely. So let's delve in uh, track by track wise here. <laughs> so this album starts out with a prelude. Yep. Throwaway track. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I jest again. Uh, essentially, you don't need it, but it kind of sets the tone for you realizing there's going to be a story. That's that's what I get out of this song. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, not much happens, but you know that it's setting you up for something bigger. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so it serves like, a purpose. I can skip it and not feel any difference, but when you listen to it, you know why it's there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I whenever I would listen to this, like I would always listen to this album uh, when I was on like a family road trip. And I would just like sit in the car and listen to it for an hour and that would be a good way to pass an hour. Um, and so whenever I would listen to it, though, I would always listen to the prelude and be like, Oh, yeah. Here comes the story. It's nice to have in there, but I have no problem skipping it. I know what you mean. Yeah. But the second song is definitely non-skippable. It sets up the entire story. Yeah. That's what introduces you to each character, and she meets the fawn. And this song is called The Prettiest Whistles Won't Wrestle the Thistles Undone. (laughs) What a tongue twister. What a long title. And actually, that's not even the entire title. Because in parentheses, it's called Hazards of Love 1. Yeah. 
there are many uh, songs that have Hazards of Love 2, Hazards of Love 3, all yeah, the way up to the fourth there are four, one. right? Yeah. And so I like to think they split it into sections for a reason, uh, mainly because they talk about Hazards of Love in the each respective song. But this song is... The title's too long. It's a mouthful. <laughs> um, the prettiest... This and the very first line in the song says, My one true... My true love was riding out in... And so you'd think that William is singing about his true love, correct? They haven't met yet, though. Is, which is true. And... We'll come back to narration later because you have to keep in mind in this song, this person says, my true love. So you're led to believe it's William talking about, hey, this is when my one true love came and met me. Mm -hmm. But is it though? We'll find out. There are some things that lead me to believe otherwise later on in the album. Uh, So it's it's the first hazards of love section. They kind of repeat that line, the hazards of love. Mm -hmm. And you are introduced to the characters and you kind of, start to know who they are uh so essentially at least from the title the prettiest whistles or you know a whistle is a pretty cool little invention i don't i don't know what they mean in medieval times or when he's trying to write this album something that's great which i can say is love great things love can be messy or dangerous which i would say hazardous oh you had another belch yeah it was kind of a quiet one so that's why i say eat great things i.e love can be messy or dangerous hazards Mm-hmm. Prius whistles can't wrestle the thistles undone. That's what yeah. I get out of that. So we go into the next song, a bower scene. And one thing to note about the the first song too is like usually an overture and like a musical usually kind of sets up musical themes. You know, like uh, but this certain, isn't certain melodies. This, it's not an overture. It's a prelude. No. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But in the first song, you hear a lot of melodies that come back throughout mm-hmm. the entire mm-hmm. piece. Well, and album, another side album. note. Uh, each song segues into the next per, uh, respective song. Yeah, so like, some are really obvious, some of them are not as obvious, but mm-hmm. every single song bleeds into the next song, except for the very last song. This album is, in my opinion, very difficult to listen to, not straight through. Yeah. And in fact, when I was listening to this on Spotify, sometimes I would go through three songs without realizing I've been through, through more than songs. one, because yeah. literally it's... It, it, it just sounds like they continue as one. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to the second... Uh, I'm sorry, third song, which is called A Bower Scene. Uh, should I do my ratings? Uh, sure, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to. For, for the prelude, song. three out of five. Because I don't really care for this song, but it sets it up. That's why I gave it three. If I didn't care entirely, I would have given it like one out of five. Yeah. But because it's part of the whole, I gave it three out of five. Yeah. For the prettiest whistles won't wrestle the thistles undone, Hazards of Love 1. Whew. I gave that a 375 <laughs> out of 5. Uh, musically, it's awesome. It's got this real southern rock kind of feel. I don't, yeah. I don't know how to describe it other than that. This yeah, ominous southern weird. guitar, really cool sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Bower scene, I give 375 because, uh, again, it's got this uh, driving palm mute. It's a little heavier, <laughs> fast, and it gives you this sense of anticipation, like a driving force, right? Yeah. Yep. And it's just, when I hear this... Or even uneasiness. Yeah, it gives you like this anxiousness. That's a good word, right? Anxiousness, yeah. Heavy, ominous guitar parts keep coming in. Essentially, this is the song you find out she's pregnant and she needs to go find her love. Yeah. The next song, which is called Won't Want for Love, in parentheses, Margaret's song, in parentheses, 
Uh, she comes back into the forest. This is where she's trying to locate her true love, William. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I gave this one 3.5 uh, out of 5. It's a good song, but it's not one that I'm going to revisit unless I'm listening to the album entirely. Her melodies, uh, because this is a song where Margaret sings and William sings at a couple mm-hmm. parts. I really like the parts where Margaret sings, but when William sings, I kind of... It's important to push the story forward. But it's not my favorite part of the song, if that okay. makes any sense. Uh, moving on to song number five is called Wager All, and it's Hazards of Love 2. So nice. it's revisiting the, the theme of the hazards of love. I like this song a lot. So uh, I kind of said this would may, may fall into the second section. Um, and again, this is just me saying that this could be the second section. If you actually listen to the album, you might decide that it should be split up into different ways. Yeah. So my word is not authority. It's just... Me going by Just this. Just your opinion, yeah. Yeah, shibbity boop down. You know, you know how, as they say. <laughs> as they say. Uh, so she finds William in this song, and he, as the song says, wager all. This is where he says he's willing to risk everything for his love. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is much more of a somber song. It's kind of a lot slower. And I wager all. Yeah. yeah. Got some really, like, great melodies in it, like, like the one that you just sang, but... It's not a fast driving song like the other no, ones. It's no. kind of, and I think it it's not driving or fast because they want to focus on that kind of theme. Like you want to wager it all, you want to live in that moment. You want to yeah. have that somber, slow. Let's make this count moment. Mm-hmm. And that's what I got out of there. I gave it three point five out of five because it's good. It's not one I'm going to revisit too often, but not terrible. Mm-hmm. Number six is called the Queen's Approach. And this is an instrumental song. Yep, you're also introduced to one another theme here. Another theme, which bum, is the Queen's theme. And it's this real ominous theme. It kind of makes you kind of like uneasy. Like a, a sense of dread, right? Yeah. And I wrote down banjos because there's some banjos that come in here. <laughs> and who doesn't love a banjo? Ding, 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 ding. Not that type of banjo. Not that type of banjo, but there is a banjo in this song. It's a good banjo, but it's ominous. I gave the song three out of five because I really don't... Like, if I'm going to play my individual songs on the iPod, I will never play this song. But in the context of the album, it makes sense, so that's why I gave it three. Okay. If I'm going song by song and this didn't make sense in the album, one. Okay. So because it relates to the album, I elevate it higher. I'm not going to come back and listen to the song individually... But when you put it in the context of the album, it really makes sense and it's smart. Uh, song number seven is called Isn't It a Lovely Night. Oh, I love this song. And this one is another duet sung between Margaret and William. It's much more slower and flowing. And it's it's a waltzy song, right? Yeah. What you call it? Three, four, six, eight. What would you say? Just something triple meter, right? It's waltzy. It is very waltzy. Three, four. Yes, it's waltzy. It's the kind of thing where if you hear the melody, you can just really sway to it in a three, four. If you can imagine a old ballroom where people are doing the waltz and swinging yeah. in circles, yeah. that's what I imagine when I hear this song. Yep. And these two are singing to each other about their love for each other and how it's a lovely night that they're together and professing yeah. their love. Um. What stuck out to me is the last portion of the song is all instrumental and all these other instruments kind of come in. Is that another belch? Yeah. You're beating me. I've only got one. You're up to... 
three. Who would have guessed that a porter is more carbonated? Or maybe it's just affecting know. you differently. We'll see. Could be. And so, anyway, uh, the last portion of the, this song is all instrumental, and all these new instruments are introduced, and you hear all these new sounds. Mm-hmm. And so, what I think about is like they've said what they need to say. They're gonna, I envision them dancing around the forest and just enjoying each other's company. That's what I think about. Yeah, that makes right? sense. It's just like. And then, like in a Disney movie, all the birds come and start singing. And yes, all yes. I didn't actually <laughs> think those, about that, but that makes a lot of sense. Join. Yeah. All right. <laughs> now let's move on to a higher note. Uh, song number eight is called "The Wanting Comes in Waves." Parentheses repaid and parentheses. Yeah. So this song is. Did I give a rating to the last song? Um. Yeah, you did. No. Well, if I didn't, it's three point two five out of five, which is okay. a good song. I guess it's a pretty good rating, but it's not my favorite. Gotcha. Uh, this song, Wanting Comes in Waves, five. Five. Five out of five. Nice. Um, it's one of my favorite songs. And it starts out with this ominous theme that kind of takes that melody from Isn't It a Lovely Night? Yeah. But turns into a... Do, 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 do. Yes, this do. darker, more minor sounding. So, Isn't It a Lovely Night? You have this... Major melodic happy sounding theme. They turn that into a dark, ominous yeah. like. Oh, I'm like a, a driving like intense, intense like intense theme. melody. Yeah. And so, this song is William talking to his mother when she tells him that she sees what's going on. Uh, and it's also the intro is played on a harpsichord. Really? Yes. And when I think of harpsichords, I think of like Mozart and regality, like royalty. Yeah. And so when I think of that, I think... I guess, yeah, the queen. The queen. Which yeah, that that's sense. why I'm, that I'm pointing sense. that out. Yeah. And so uh, that regality is represented by the queen. And it's ominous. And so he's kind of like talking to his mother, saying all these things about how he loves her so much. Hmm. And he comes to this part right before what I call the wave chorus. <laughs> the wave chorus? Yes, I call it the wave <laughs> chorus. Quote, unquote. You mean the... Yes! And the wanting comes in waves. And yeah. it's just this... The most spectacular, melodious part in the entire album. And when I hear it, it gives me the chills and the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. And I just, I feel this like intense emotion. I just like, I really connect. Even if I don't know what they're saying, I just hear it and it just makes me feel happy and feel good. You know what I mean? I know what you mean, yeah. And that's what he felt when he thinks about his love. He he doesn't need to know what it is. He doesn't need to know anything. He just knows like the emotions. He knows the feelings and it's just... It's there for him. Mm-hmm. And they did that so perfectly in the music because yeah. I feel it too. And yeah. I just love that. And it's just beautiful. Just spot on. But after that, it comes back to the queen. The queen. And she scornfully replies to him. And that's when she's kind of like, I raised you. I saved you from death. Yeah. I raised you. I brought you up. And this is how you treat me. This is this how, is how you, you repay me. me. Yeah. And she's she's scary. She's got this... Yeah. She almost sings in this weird combination of softness and intense, like it's soft and intense. Yeah. With a lot of vibrato, and she's just like, oh, yeah. It's it's just that kind of thing where it's like when you hear, "I'm not mad, I'm disappointed," yeah. almost like that kind of respect. Oh, really? But she has the fury to back it up and the strength to yes. back it up. Yes, she but does. she doesn't like use that. She just kinda like is kinda like soft. It's like saying but so foreboding. You know that I can destroy you. Yes. And so she kinda does that. But the wave chorus comes back again. 
and it's just it's so ridiculously good yeah. I, I just love that that melody and it's so so good mm-hmm. so like i said five out of five this song is super duper good it's hard to listen to the song by itself if you don't already know the context yeah but since yeah, i already definitely. know it i will come back and listen to this song okay and, and i really do like it so after this song, the ninth song is an interlude, and it's an instrumental again. It's a, a nice way to kind of split the album. And they don't really revisit any melodies or anything from the first half, but I think they have some song, some melodies from the very last song that they kind of play in the interlude. I don't know if you remember that or not. Revisit it. I, I feel like they do still come back to some melodies from the first half. If they did, I missed it. I think so, anyway. Check it out again later. And you folks ch- at home, check it out. Yeah. Dive into this album. Try to pick it up. It's really good. Uh, but song num- uh, number nine, I gave three out of five because I'm never going to listen to it again unless I'm listening to the album same, the whole way through. Same reason before, yeah. Yeah. All right, number ten is Rake's song. Another oh five out of five. What up, 100%? <laughs> and that was a high five because I rated it five. Okay, so this is where we're introduced to the Rake, who, like I said before, was a womanizer, uh, married this beautiful woman whom... I'm almost positive, solely based on lust, not love, because, like I said, he's a womanizer. And, I don't know, he just didn't grow out of his ways. Married her, uh, and in the song he talks about how it was great until her womb started spewing out babies, or something along the lines of that, that's not verbatim. If you talk about a womb spewing out babies as a bad thing, I think that says a lot about your marriage and a lot about how you are as a person. Uh, so clearly, he didn't have that emotional attachment to his offspring, which, even if you're an animal, that's very unusual. When you think about how protective animals are about their, their babies, it's just mind-boggling that you could have kids and not really feel that affinity for them. And once his wife dies after uh, his fourth child is in the process of being born, he becomes sad that his wife's dead and he has nothing to live for because she was beautiful and met all his needs or whatever. So he kills all his kids, and he's happy about it. He feels no remorse. That's what this song entails. Yeah. All of that. So there, he's... It, it's a cool song. Mm-hmm. This is one of it's the very, few songs... Very catchy. ...that you don't need to know anything about the album, and you can listen to it by itself. Yeah. That's also one reason why I gave it 5 out of 5. You don't need to know the beginning, and you don't need to know the end to listen to this song. And it's got this really like cool, fun guitar part in it that's catchy. It's just... Memorable. Da 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 da. Yeah. Da, 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 yes. Da, da, da. Yeah. And it just paints this guy as this vile psychopath. Yeah. And He's a Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. I mean, he didn't eat his kids, but <laughs> my goodness. But and they achieve a lot of that through the lyrics. Yes. Like there's a there's one lyric that I always like that I really like from that song, um, where he says, "Oh my gosh, I just took a sip of Jesse's beer. Oh my gosh." Yeah, it's good. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. But yeah. sorry, back to that song. What, what were you saying? Anyway, um, just one of, the, uh, one of the lines from that song. He says, I was wedded and it wetted my thirst. So he says he's wedded, like he is married, and that only made him want to lust more. Because so, then so he's he already t- unhappy. Because right? then he was tied down. So he's already unhappy. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, like I said before, she, he says something along the lines of her womb spilling, spilling out, out babies. babies. Yeah, because yeah. I, I, I couldn't remember the word. But, you know, like I said before, it's not verbatim, but something along those lines. Yeah. And if you have to say it like that, you don't love your babies. It's true. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. But 
Uh, he, he every time he gives you a stanza, it ends in this one line. All right, all right, all right, and that's literally every stanza where he's like, "I was womanized and I got married." All right, all right, all right. Uh, we had a good life. She spewed out babies. All right, all right, all right. She died and it was terrible. All right, all right, all right. I started killing my babies. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. I feel no remorse. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. And so, why is he saying all right, all right, all right? Mm-hmm. What I think is that it's showing that he doesn't care about anything. He's, he's like, this is what happened in my life. All right. You know, all right, whatever. All right. So yeah. that's what I get out of it. Or like if someone was like scolding you and you'd be like, and you like don't think you're in the wrong, you're just like, all right. All yeah, right. so he's, he's not putting any weight to any of those aspects. <clears throat> Whoa, there you go. That was right after I took a sip of your beer. Your must be, this one must be more carbonated than mine. There must be. I don't know, dude. Oh, wait, no cheating. <laughs> All right, but Rake's song is is a really good song. Uh, I'll come back to my top three songs later, so I'm, it's going to be in there. But I'll, I'll come back to it later. Uh, on to song number 11, which is called The Abduction of Margaret. Can you get any more specific than that? No. Uh, no, you could get more specific, but it's very specific already. Yes. Uh, so this comes back to the driving palm muted guitar that happens on the third track, which is called sure. A Bower Song. And it's literally the exact same music. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they mm-hmm. took that track and just stuck new just new lyrics over it. Yeah. Because um, in in the A Bower song, there's this loud, ominous guitar that comes on. And it comes in at the same exact spot in this song. So are they recycling music? No. They're reusing it for a purpose. Exactly. It's yeah. to drive the story back. It's to to bring back that familiarity. Yeah, exactly. Which is something that happens in musicals, operas, all the time. Yep. storytelling, just to kind of keep you in that same story. Yeah. Yeah. Usually they use it for certain characters. Yes. Certain moods, certain scenes. Like, the composer is using it to make you feel a certain way that they want you to feel. Yes. Essentially. And it's it's an ominous sounding driving. Like, I, I, this is a song I said before that gives you that anxiety, that anticipation. That, yeah, it's like, oh. What's happening? And so, uh, story-wise, this is a song where uh, the rake kidnaps Margaret. And, yes. Uh, I don't really have any affinity for this song, but because they reuse that thing, I really kind of reuse that um, the music. I really liked that, and so I gave it a 3.75 out of 5. Oh. The next song, which is song number 12, is called The Queen's Rebuke slash The Crossing. Uh. And so, holy burps. Uh. Was that two? Yes. Steve, no, no cheating, no cheating. I'm not cheating. Yes, you are. You're trying my beer again. Now, count your burps. No, Steve. <laughs> oh, look at that. Up to five. My beer's not carbonated like yours is. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, the queen comes back, and this is a different. Uh, I didn't actually mention this before. But the queen is a different singer as Margaret. Yes. Whereas yeah. the the guy who voices William is the same vocalist who voices True. the rake. Yeah, that's a good, good So point. technically there's only three vocalists that you actually hear mm-hmm. for four characters. But the queen sings again in the same exact tone that she sang in track number eight, which was uh, The Wanting Comes in Waves, where she's got that low, soft, but intense voice with tons of vibrato, Ooh. which makes you... Makes, what, do you what do you think of her voice? I, uh, I I really like her voice. Same. It, it, I really, really like it. It comes across as, I mean business, don't cross me. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of crossing, this song is about helping the rake cross the river. 
And so this song kind of gives more insight into the queen and how she feels about William because she tells the rake, I took this baby who was stuck in clay and I made him into a, a powerful person. I gave him immortality and I'm going to turn him into a fawn by night, person by day. And she, this is the, the song where she calls Margaret the temptation. And so this shows that she's possessive and jealous. Yeah. Yeah. And so you get that, that feeling not only from the way she sings, but that same music that's going on again. You just get that feel. And it just really drives across that. Again, remind me of the, the singer's name, songwriter. Uh, Colin, Colin Malloy. He knew what he was doing when he wrote this. He was oh, yeah. very particular. Uh, again, this is another song where the second half is instrumental. And not accidental, I think this is because it's trying to paint a picture of the queen helping the rake cross the river with Margaret over his shoulder, bound Mm -hmm. and and captured. Yeah. And it's just, it's ominous again. And at the very end, you think William arrives at the edge of the river and knows that Margaret's crossed there, but can't do anything. Mm -hmm. Which, uh, rating-wise, I'll give this a three out of five. It's... It's not my favorite song. It's not bad. I actually forgot to rate it, so I'm just guessing right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's the best song on the album, man. Nah, whatever. No, I don't. Song number so. 13 is called Anon Water. Uh, mm. And it's called that because the river is called the Anon River, correct? Yeah, I, w- yeah. I would guess so, yeah. I gave the song 4.5 out of 5. Nice. Whoa, I, I why would, is that a high rating, you ask? I would agree it a 5. Based on the other songs I gave a 5, I couldn't give it a 5. Okay. Uh, but this is up there rating-wise for me. The music is very, very desperate mm-hmm. in this song. You get this urgency, like this sense that da, something da, needs da, to happen. Da. You get this sound of urgency. And why the urgency? Because William is standing at the base of this river, knowing his love is across there. And he's mm-hmm. just, how do I get there? This this is beginning of my favorite part of the album. Okay. This okay. song. Okay. With this song. So he knows that if he tries to cross the river, he'll die because his mother has told him this before. And they outline mm-hmm. the, they outline this exact theme in the song. He he recounts when his mother tells him, yeah. don't mess with this river. It's or dangerous. Sure, I'll drown it be. Exactly. Yeah. But he says, I'm going to cross this river if I die. But the best part is, hold on, let me, I'm not there you yet. You got it. You got it. Yeah, you know. He asks for the river to calm and that's when the song gets melodious. Yep. And this pipe organ comes in, and it's just, again, I don't have any way to describe it other yep. than beautiful. Oh, it touches my heart so much. Yeah, because... Oh, my heart! <laughs> oh, my heart! <laughs> but yeah, because, because though... My heart, why... her, my heart, her, my heart, her. No, it, it, I'm uh, sorry for interrupting. It's, was, it's that, a heart... was that Bach or Beethoven? It was Bach. Bach, yeah, okay. Um, mm, mm. It was the Erkalik. Oh, the Erkalik. By. What is that? Who knows? It doesn't. The Elf matter. King. It doesn't matter. It's a song called The Elf King by some composer who's like Schubert or Schumann or one of those guys. <sighs> That's six. Steve, stop trying to steal my beer. I'm not trying to steal anyone's beer. All right. What um, were you going to say about. Oh, Mein Vater. Not my heart. I know, but I was saying my heart because this song, like, when okay. I hear the, the pipe organ come in and this guy saying, please, please yeah. make this river calm so I can reach my love. Yeah. You feel the struggle. You f- it tugs at your heartstrings. You want this guy to get across the river. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But and like I said before, I researched a lot of people who have, nice burp, who have given commentary on the album and they have said there's lack of character development. The character development so. is in the music. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. I feel everything that this guy feels in the music. Yeah, I agree with you. And especially in this song. Anyway, the reason why it's so powerful and why Steve it tugs at his heartstrings so much is because at the beginning of the song, you're introduced to a certain type of melody, a certain, a certain type of instrumental, um, whatever you want to call it, instrumental uh, arrangement. And then whenever he starts pleading with the river, it goes like, it just calms down and you can almost feel him just saying like, like Steve said, the pipe organ comes in mm-hmm. and like the, the key changes, like the, the feel of the song changes. And when in that part, I love the, the chord choice. Yes, 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 Super yes, 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 yes. And the progression, the chord it's, progression. It's a beautiful progression. And yeah. Played on the organ. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I dare you, and this is, I, I triple dog dare all of you listeners to listen to this song, where this part comes in, and to not let it affect you. Because it's impossible. I'm, yeah. I'm, it's impossible. Listen to the whole album, and, and then when you get to that point. Yeah. But, uh, like I said, 4.5 out of 5 is the rating I gave the song. Moving on to song number 14, Margaret in Captivity. Oh my goodness, another song that's way too descriptive in the title. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, the guitar part in this song really reminds me of Bon Jovi, Wanted Dead or Alive. Really? Oh, yeah, just that beginning It's part. all the same! Only the names change! Yeah. They kind of put the guitar part, for lack of a better term, on Front Street. It's it's very upfront the guitar part, and it's very very similar to track number two, which is the thistle thistle and whistle yep, song. This is where the, that melody comes back. Not the melody, the guitar part, but the well, melody, the melody comes also back, comes back. Yeah. And so they revisit it, uh, and essentially it's the rake talking to Margaret, saying, "Calm down, woman. You're in captivity. Don't struggle. No one's gonna hear you. No one's gonna right hear now. you." But she uh, she calls out for William. Yeah, and then there are these breaks in the songs where Margaret sings. And uh, what what music does it go back to? It's like, I don't know. Oh, my own true love. I don't remember the music, but I know what you're talking about. I can't remember. Like, that's, that's also I think they come back to another part of the, of, the, of the album as well. Which, again, goes to show that they reuse melodic motifs, themes for emotions and for characters and yep. for uh, continuity. The next song is uh, called Revenge, uh, parentheses, Hazards of Love, Part 3. Uh-oh, this song. This I gave this song 4.5 out of 5. Another highly rated song. The song's crazy. The intro recalls uh, the intro music from track number 8, which is my favorite song, Wanting uh, Comes Into Waves, but it's played much more furiously and on an electric guitar. do 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 And it's way faster. And again, it's played on the harpsichord, and that has to be to re- represent the queen. Almost instantly cut off. It's like by this waltzy triple meter song, where a bunch of kids start singing, and it's kind of creepy. It is creepy because a lot of times when you hear kids sing, it's just creepy in general. Yeah, in in most contexts. And then when you learn who the kids are, it's even more creepy. It's like, oh, here's what they are: they're the Rake's three murdered children coming back to haunt him, coming back to life to haunt him. Yeah. Yes. It is so creepy. And yep. they sing the exact same melody as the th- second song, the Thistles and Whistles song. Yeah. And it's just, oh my goodness, it is creepy. It's so weird because they like talk about how he, how they killed him. Yes. How, the, how he how killed them. How he killed them, 
But how they're back to and life. Then they're like, but and ghost. now we're here. Yes. To like haunt you and sing about the hazards of love. It Father. is so good. This is another song I could listen to by itself, even though it's one where it's not going to make any sense if you don't know Outside the context of the, album. Of the yeah. album. Yeah. It is really, really a good song. And about halfway through the song, they do these. I don't know how to describe it other than horror genre. Yeah, musical ideas it's introduced like, on the the violin. Where if was, you turn like a saying, violin bow upside, upside down, down, yep, that's what I was thinking play about with, today. Instead of playing with the horsehair uh, portion stick. of the bow, you play with the stick, the and it's just this part. harsh. Like if you ever hear of like a horror movie, like a, a shrill, like the psycho knife, yeah, psycho except, knife. It's like that type of thing. Except they do not that, that, except intense. not that harsh. But it's yeah. just this. <coughs> that's two oh, perfect for me. Catching up. So it's just this. This brutal, intense song about these kids haunting their psychopath, vile, murderous father. Yeah. And it's a really, really good song. And that's, um, again, that's the third Hazards of Love song. So I'm going to say that's the third section of the album because... The end of the third that, section. That's how I classify it. Yes. The end, the, of, the, end, of, the third the end of the third section. Yeah. Start of the fourth. And so moving on to song number 16, which I gave a 4.75 out of 5... Why is that because rating so high? The title of the song, The Wanting, the wanting Comes, comes in, waves. in Waves. Reprise. Reprise. <clears throat> this is the song where William reaches the other side oh, yeah. of the, the river. Yep. And the intro is the same as the, the last track, which was that um, recalling to do the Wanting Comes in Waves. And it's still ominous. But instead of having all these children come in, you have what I call the waves chorus come back in. The most beautiful chorus of the entire song. It's just this melody that I fell in love with the very first time I heard it, and I yeah. still think it's the greatest melody that he's written on this album. Yeah. And it comes back, and it's just so beautiful, but the first time that he sang this line, he was talking about his love like coming back to him again and again, as waves do. This um, time, he's crossed a river with furious waves, so obviously it's got that mm-hmm. that water element, that marine element. I don't know what to call it. But, um, now, but now he wants something different than just love. Yes. And it's just, it's so good. I love that Waves chorus. So four, seven, five out of five for that. And moving on from that song to the last song, number 17, which is called The Drowned, Hazards of Love, Part Four. Four. So this is the last section. There is no segue from the last song into this. Like I said before, every other song in the album, one through 16, has a segue where the songs go from song to song. Yeah. Not this one. This song is by itself. This song is a conclusion to the album, to the story, to the entire to the epic, entire piece. We'll just call it an epic. The entire epic, sure. Yeah, because that's uh, what it goes for. Um, <clears throat> it's it's a much softer and somber guitar-driven song, acoustic mm-hmm. guitar-driven song. Yeah. And like I said, when I outlined the story of the album, this is where they decide to marry themselves infinitely for the rest of eternity. By surrendering, surrendering themselves to death in the river. Since yep. they, they can't cross the river to meet the queen or to meet the village where he would become a fawn and it wouldn't work. And they can't stay there because the rake's there. The only option they have is to die in the river together and to be together forever. And they talk about having to not worry about the hazards of love. Anymore, because if, yeah. they're, if they're together forever, they don't have to worry about 
the terrible things, the disaster, the strife, the anything that can affect the love or the good things in life. Yeah. So if they're going to die together, they're going to be in peace and not have the hazards of love. Yeah. Romeo and Juliet, as you said before. Yeah. And same same type of idea. Side note, it's somber, and I get this real country feel from it. There's a banjo playing a lot, and a really slide, slide guitar. guitar. Yeah, but super see, country. But like, whenever I listen to this, I don't. I never thought country. Like, I never think country, just because it seems like when I hear slide like, guitar, I think Hawaiian or country, and I did not think Hawaiian for this song. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that this almost seems. Like, different. Like, it's not like... Like, it's not a normal genre, is what I'm saying. No. Like, this it, this seems like a completely different genre, just be, just because of the fact that it, the album is entirely a concept album. Yes. and So, and, like, yes, there's a slide guitar, but it's not, like, yeah, country. Like, you know what I'm for saying? For the majority of the song, I wouldn't say country, but when the slide guitar comes in, it really has a country feel to it. Nah. I don't think yes. so. Yes. If you're... Li- if, okay, you did. Oh, that's two. If you're listening to the album uh, straight through, it does not feel like country. He's wrong. It feels country. I don't think like Ran- I don't think like Johnny portion. Cash, Randy Travis, Garth Brooks. I don't, that's not what I think of. But when I hear the slide guitar, I reminisce. I think of country. Yeah, but like that doesn't sound like a country song. No. Yes, it does. That's because like when the banjo comes song. in, it's still country. It doesn't sound like. I don't think so. Melokaliki Mako is the thing. I'm sure there's a slide guitar in that song. But I'm saying, like, I, for me, I'm so engrossed in the story that I'm, I'm not like... Gross. Engrossed. Ew, gross. <laughs> Gosh. You're so ew, gross in the story. I'm just kidding. I'm so um, engrossed in the story that I'm like, I'm not like, oh, that's a boring country. We're at an hour and five minutes. Let me wrap up this album so you can move on okay, to Okay, yeah. Give your overall impressions and, and rating. Overall impressions, this album is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Agreed. As a whole. Yes. You need to listen to this album front to back. Yeah, you it, you have to. It's really uh, after you kind of in like dive into the story and you're immersed into it and you know everything that's going on, then maybe you can pick out individual uh. tracks. Oh, good one. But until then, you need to listen to this album front to back. And even if you're well versed in it, it just it, it makes it so much better to hear it all together. Yeah. That's why that's why I would listen to it on long car trips. Now, let me give my top 3. I'll go 3 songs. We'll go 3 just to keep it simple. Number three is the Wanting Comes in Waves reprise. Just because I love that melody. Number... You can, you can just give your top three in no order. That, I'm giving, that's a, I'm giving, that's these, I'm giving it an order, though. Okay. You don't have to. I'm going to. Number two order. is the Wanting Comes in Waves slash Repaid. Because, again, I love that melody. And it's just... I think it's the greatest thing about the album, musically. Yeah. It just touches me. Yeah. The best place ever. Yeah. Uh, but my top song, in all honesty, is the Rake song. Really? Because melodically, it's really great. Thematically, it's very interesting. And in the context of the whole album, it, it makes frames, sense. It kind of frames it. You don't need to listen to the whole album front to back to, okay. to listen to this song, okay? Okay. I get that. All right. So, what do I rate this album in total? Let me think. Out of five? Out of five, yeah. Four or five. 4.5 out of 5. Nice. Wow. So, while it is behind every other Blink-182 album, <laughs> it's still rated very high. Because as we all know, I'm, I'm not alone in this. Is Most every, of people agree. Is every Blink album 5 out of 5? Yes. Oh, wow. Interesting. 
<laughs> I'm not joking. I know you're not. That's why I'm laughing. There's nothing humorous about this, dude. It's very humorous. Anyway, now that uh, Steve is done talking about his album that I hadn't listened to, I am going to talk about the album that he had me listen to, which was uh, The Artist is Transit. From Massachusetts, more uh, specifically, Boston. From Boston? I, I had no idea about that. Anyway, the album is called Joyride. Now, when I first heard this album, I did not really like it that much. Um, the songs were kind of boring and like I didn't really get it. Um, but then, as has happened with many other um, albums that we listen to on this podcast, I started listening to it and it I came around and it is a fantastic album. This album is just so good. Um, so usually, uh, Steve recommends me punk rock albums to listen to. Uh, so when he recommended me this album by Transit, um, I was expecting the same type of thing. Like more uh, punk rock, more like, you know, super fast beats, um, not super poppy, not super, uh, you know, like not super lighthearted. No, not lighthearted, but, you know, not really intense in a way. Um, but as I found out, this album is the complete opposite. Uh, it's very poppy. It's surprising for an album I would recommend. Exactly. And I know you say you didn't like it up front, right? Yes. I was the same way. Transit's an interesting band for me. Um, the first song I ever heard was... Sorry to sidetrack this. Yeah. But I want to go into my background so you can kind of explain okay. more. Yeah. Because like Jesse was saying, I recommend more punk rock albums. Yep. And this isn't. My very good friend, Daniela. Well, not Escamilla anymore. No, she's married to Ben now. Yeah. But she recommend. Uh, no, she didn't recommend. That's a bad word. She played for me a song called Young New England. Was that by Transit? Yes. It's a, if you're too drunk to walk along the streets of Cobblestone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, I know that, that song. Yep. And that song really resonated with me. Uh, not for those lines, but for a lot of <laughs> lines in the song. Just cut up. <laughs> that oh, there's, there's people always there to, to be with you. You're not alone. And so that was my song. That That's what I knew from Transit. And I really didn't delve into their music for a while after college. And then I knew they were coming to the work Tour, so I started to listen to them a lot. And I knew mm -hmm. some of the things off of Joyride. And I think it had just come out before the work Tour, but I didn't buy it yet. And I saw them live twice, and I heard a lot of the songs off of Joyride, and I thought they were great. So I bought Joyride. Yeah. The first time I heard it, the first three songs were great, and then the rest of the album I was like, it's okay. it's okay. It's really just okay. Yeah. And then after a second, third, fourth, fifth listen, it really, really moved up higher and higher and higher every listen until it was one of my favorite albums. Yeah, see, what, what kind of happens, what kind of happened with me with this album is that actually pretty much the exact same thing. I listened to the first three songs and I was like, oh, nice, this is great. And then like the rest of them were kind of like, meh. But then... As you listen to it, you, like, kind of remember things, you know? Like, you just kind of, uh, like, you remember, oh, yeah, this song's next. And it's just gets catchier and, and catchier. Um, so why don't we just start off with the first track? Okay. The first track is The Only One. And they start off real slow on the drums, if I'm not correct. I'm not mistaken, right? You are not correct. If I'm not mistaken. Well, I mean... I'm not mistaken. Do-do-do-cat. 
Yeah, I'm, oh yeah, slow. Yeah, it is slow, yeah. It's on the drums, though. Yeah, it's on the drums, that's yeah. All, that's what I'll yep. What did I say first? Nice drums at the beginning. <laughs> yes. And then the melodies are all great. Yes, I agree. The choruses are all catchy. They're all great and catchy, he says. Uh, some of them are less catchy than others. It happens. But Even the Beatles felt, felt prey to that. True. But I just want to say this. Melody's great. Uh, I mean, instrumentally, it's great. Like it's just it's a solid album. Just want to get that out of there before we start getting into it. So the first track, the only one, nice drums. Um, there's a really cool line in this song that I love. He says, "Heaven is what what you make it. Hell is what what you put me through." That's one of my favorite lines on there. Yeah, it's a cool line. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. And like that comes back throughout the whole song, and whenever whenever and, he sings it, I'm always like, yeah. And I don't know so if you, you may mention this, but what I noticed about this song is kind of it's not really like a happy like expressive song in the verses, and then when you get to the chorus, that's when they kind of put out the the major like the yeah that's now you know the story before you tell me tell me what yeah. I know that's where the big part. I'm of the song not the in. only one. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a really happy subject matter, but no. that's when it comes to the more memorable portions of the song, even though in my fact, favorite line is from the verse. In fact, that's what I, at the end of this... <coughs> Whoa, that was a good one. At the end of this, that's what I wrote. I was like, very poppy, but but not exactly the most happy subject matter <laughs> for most of it. We're uh, trying to tell this beer again. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, song number two? So, okay. I, I won't push you along. Uh, no, it's fine. We need, we need to get moving. I know we're really. Uh, far. This is a really long podcast so far. <laughs> well, I mean, I kind of gave you a dense album. Yeah. <clears throat> Good burp. Number twelve for me. I'm gonna catch up to you. Number thirteen oh, for come me. On. Anyway, track number two. We're still on track number two. Well, we uh, just started. Yes. Uh, well, well, first of all, I gave I gave track number one. Oh, uh, burp for me. Four point five out of five. Super catchy, awesome, Super catchy. awesome way to start the album. Track number two is called Saturday Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said before, like every single one of their songs are super catchy on this album. Um, like they start off with a really great catchy guitar line can in I, the intro. Can I do a, a quick uh, grass? Sure, you you can grass quickly. I'm gonna grass real quickly. So yeah, my my little cousin Corey came to visit me in Nashville and. Um, we were going to go canoeing on the lake. Oh, yeah. And so... Uh, ooh, oh, good burp. Crap, you're ahead of me. You're welcome. Okay, keep going. So... <laughs> sorry. Not sorry. 15. Um, I had the album. It was fresh. I put it in the car, and we drove to the lake. And uh, I've listened to this album so many times since then, but literally every time I put it on, I think of... Um, and when I think of this album, I think of driving down over top of the dam near where I live. Percy Priest. Percy Priest. In 95 degree weather, with the windows down, listening to this album in the middle of summer. Yeah. So it was Joy a, Ride. It was, it was, it was, it was it's a called great... Joy Ride, and that's what I was doing when I listened to it. So it was a great suggestion, now that it's the winter time. <coughs> oh. Well, it still was, it still was very good. Anyway. <coughs> We're still on track two, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. I've already said 
super catchy guitar in track two. Um, and it seems like a lot of the songs on this album have kind of a similar uh, similar feel, dealing with relationships in a way, or some sort of a rough patch in your life. Would you agree? I would agree, yes. Okay. Uh, so based like, on uh, lyrical content, yes. Yeah, so this song, um, Saturday, Sunday, which I almost put in my top three. It was very difficult to choose a top three for this song for this album because they're, they're all really good. Correct. Um, this song, Saturday, Sunday, uh, one of the lines in it, it's just another slow Saturday, Sunday. It gets better, I hope it gets better. So, like, the whole idea behind that is that, you know, like, it's just another weekend. Like, it's just another couple days. Like, hopefully it gets better over time. Yeah, because when you, you associate know, weekdays, you kind of think... But, I mean, he, say, he says weekends for I know, I know, a reason. I, I you know, know, but when you think of weekdays, you think... Something that drags on, something repetitive, something boring, yeah. something that you really don't want so to be if, involved with. So if Saturday and Sunday are slow, then how bad is it? I mean, it's uh, it's very, very, very interesting. So, anyway, I gave that song a 4 out of 5. Now, track 3, uh, one of the best tracks in the album. And I agree, this is my hands down favorite song of the entire album. Yeah. From the beginning, drum... Tom section to the end seconds. <laughs> yes. Uh, this, I air drum the song till I die. <laughs> this song is called Rest to Get Better. And the first thing I wrote about it, it was uh, as so catchy exclamation point. You know the first thing that I would think of when the song is? What? The best. Uh. <laughs> and catchy. Um, and I also think that this is probably one of the one of the best choruses on the whole album too. Oh yes, yes, one yes, of yes, the yes, best. yes, yes, one of the best. Oh, you you give me your description first before I I put some input in about this song. Yes, that's about it. Um, I mean, it's a song about finding peace, like w- trying to find rest within whatever he's going through. Yeah, but I, I I really like the like the. The melodies and the, the lyrics and the, the verses. You think you get honest, you only get, get meaner. You think you get better, better you only break cleaner. cleaner. So it's someone who's trying to get oh. out of a relationship. Maybe, course, right? maybe. I'll so find peace. You think you're going to break out of a relationship, but you're just getting meaner. You're not saying things that are better. You're just being meaner. You're just kind of like bringing up yeah. sore wounds and shoving it in someone's face instead of... I don't know, it's just, I really love the lyrics in this song. Yeah. And I love the drums and the verse and the core. Oh, my goodness. The, I, I, oh, my heart. What What did you give this rating? Five out of five. Okay, Jesse gave it a five out of five, which is pretty good. What do I give it? Ten out of five. Wow. So, uh, Whoa. Who gave it the better rating? Uh, Me. Well, technically, uh, I did, but. No, you gave it 100%. I gave it a 200%. No. 10 out of 5 isn't even a reasonable score. But anyway, um, next track. we got to keep moving here. Yes, we do. We're This podcast is really going long. Uh, that's okay, though. Sweet Resistance, track Sweet, number 4. Sweet Resistance. Um, I think that this is a breakup song. I think most of them are. Um, 
Because mainly because of the one line that he says. He says, You'll find pieces of me and everyone you'll ever meet. So like he's saying, like, listen, you have me right now, but like you're gonna find me and every single person. Like no matter what happens. And so I give it a four out of five. I'm gonna keep moving. It's uh, all right. I get just I get like that. I said before. It's catchy, melody's great, and I, I put that in the top five songs melody wise in this album because it's sweet resistance. Just has like a, it's a killer melody. Let's sweet, be honest. sweet, sweet resistance. Yes. Yep. Um, the next song is called "Nothing Left to Lose." Um, now this song is way more poppy. Like it's, it's the first super poppy song you hear on the album. Oh. oh, there you go. You're welcome. Um, it seems like it's a like it's a song about uh, being free of all like preconceived notions about who uh, you're supposed to be. This yes. is the uh, happy birthday me. So the the chorus is. Let's go and bury and our conditions. conditions. Sex, sex and alcohol and our and songs with our friends. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So just like kind of, just saying trying like, to bury everything that you really believe in in yeah, and just superficial and, things. Yeah, and that so, still have meaning, but are are kind of not the the biggest focus. Yeah. So like it's also there are woes in this song. There are whoa, woes. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh! It's a very Billy Joel or Offspring type thing to do of your songs. Yes. Um, whoa, 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 whoa! Or Backstreet Boys. We like Backstreet Boys. You are my fire. Ah, we shouldn't. We shouldn't try that. So, yep, the woes and nothing else to lose. You get it. So I give it four to five. Which is a good rating. Good rating. Um, ignition and friction. Mm-hmm. I gave the song three point seven five out of five. Um, I love the chorus, super good, but the the verses are not my favorite, just in terms of melody. Um, it seems like it's just kind of a uh, a song about conflict, and how it's kind of hard to deal with it. Um, yeah. But yeah. overall, though the uh, the verses are not my favorite. All right, I okay. I love that slide. In terms of melody. Like, lyrically, they're fine, but... Yeah. Anyway, on to track seven. Oh. I'm a burp king. On to track seven. Uh, the song's called Fine By Me. Oh. It's fine by me. <clears throat> we can go anywhere. That's the one line that I like. Making futures without fear. Yeah. That's, that's a really cool line, I think. I think they have this a lot of cool lines. This song doesn't do much for me, though. Same. That's why I gave it a three out of five. All right, so we're on the same page there. I said it's my least favorite chorus. But it's it's still a good song. It's not bad. It's just it's not. Doesn't really pro- stick out to me. The problem that I had with it is is it's not as intense as the other songs. Okay, I get that. Like it's still a good song, but it's not exactly uh, my favorite song. Yeah, I agree. I'll I'll still listen to the song, and when I put the album on, I'm gonna hear it and I'm gonna appreciate it, but. It's really not my favorite, and it doesn't really stick out any more than any other song. Yeah, I mean, I write, I wrote like it's not the same intensity as a song, but I still like it. Yeah, like, so it's let's, still good. Let's just move on to track number eight. <clears throat> Loneliness burns. This is keys driven, right? D- yeah, pianos to start. Oh, so, musically. So there you go. <laughs> musically different. So uh, yeah, piano to start. 
Um, really great bass line. Uh-huh. This this whole song kind of changes the entire timbre of the album. Like from before this, it's always been like super, like guitar driven, guitar super driven. upbeat, and now it's kind of slower. Um, and there's also another really cool line in this song that I li- that I really like. Um, what the Steve? I'm sorry, I'm belch, I'm belch crazy right now. You're belch king more. right now. Sowie, sowie, sowie. Anyway, um. So, the one line I really like in this song is, uh, I miss the scraping sounds of uh. your windshield wipers. Gosh. Sorry. I'm trying to talk about this album. Stop burping. Uh. Steve! <laughs> I'm oh. sorry. Dude, you're about to, you're going to destroy me in the burp tally I'm today. I'm going belch crazy. I'm sorry. I guess that my beer was actually more carbonated than the Death by Coconut. It might be, yeah. But anyway, don't you like that song, though? I, I mean, do, that, that lyric? I miss the scraping sounds of your windshield wipers. Um, and then the bridge, um, he talks about, he says, don't drink away the drive. Yes, 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 yes. Now, is that is that just like driving, or is that like drive as in to move on from... Oh, he doesn't mean driving a car. He means drive to move on from the relationship, yes. right? Yeah. Well, or, yeah, he does not mean a car. And don't dwell on the past, yes. pretty much. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, and so... Good picking up on that, because I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. I really, really like that song, and it almost made it to my top three, because it's super good. Yeah, I, I agree. Track nine. But, number nine would actually be in the top three for me. Same for me. That's why I have a star right here. Uh, uh, the Wurlitzer, or whatever that, that Summer keys, Dust, it's, yeah. It's Wurlitzer in the beginning, I think. I think so, yeah. Oh, my goodness. That, oh, it's just... Um, I get the, the feels in the back of my neck when I hear this song. This song is also super poppy. Just like a dream. Yeah. Oh, I love this song. Da, 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 You're just the pieces I'm picking up. You're just the pieces I'm picking up. Picking up. Yeah. Um, so, and I also wrote uh, best chorus. One of the best choruses. Let go. Yeah. Uh, the, the melody, because, the drums. The, yes, exactly. That, and that... Uh, U2 Yeah, the U2 delay type of guitar. delay guitar, yeah. Uh, I'm not a person who knows much about delay, but when I hear it, I can appreciate it a lot. But yeah, because it's... And a, they it's do it well like, here. Let it go. Yes. Because I, I've heard bands that overuse delay. Yeah, and this is super, just, super tasteful. And they don't have delay much on the rest of this album, correct? Yeah, no. Yes. This, this, whenever, is, whenever, this is the delay heavy listen, song. Listen, the first time I heard this song, I was like, <coughs> I was like, whoa, delay. Whoa, Bert for me. I was like, what? Delay is on this album? Yes. Yeah, so you heard yeah. It. that's why I gave this 5 out of 5. I'm belching everywhere, sorry. So, track number 10. We're almost there. Uh, too, too Little, little too, too Late. Oh, this is another super, super catchy song. It's very catchy. However, I gave it a 3 out of 5. Ooh, I would disagree. I'd, I'd put it higher, but because this is your review. Same reasoning as track number 7. It's not as intense and like, just... I just don't find it as intense as the other songs. Um, this is a song about uh, thinking you'll be alone forever because you'll never be right for anybody, essentially. Because whenever I met you, it was too little too late. Um, however, very, very good bridge in this song. What's the um, bridge? I'm trying to remember it. Too little too late, too, too little, little too late. late. 
Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So like, it's a it's a super good bridge. Take me back to the place but, where I'm and, at that. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Even yeah. though I gave it a kind of a poor rating, yes. there was a really good line from it. He says, uh, was I your favorite record or just a song inside your head? Okay, I like that. Actually. So, I, right, I remember, yeah. yeah. I, I, I forgot about that, but yeah. I, I liked that a lot. So, like, I even though I gave the song, it's kind of like a eh, like average compared to the rest of the songs. That's a really good line from it, though. The next song is called Pins and Needles, track 11. Oh, oh this is a good song. Mm-hmm. Really good song. I give this song a four to five. Okay, I, I agree with you there. Um, I said it's catchy, which is same with all the other songs. Um, it seems like it's about some type of a kind of rough patch in a relationship because of the lyric um, when he says, Dancing on love, pins, and needles. Yes. Yeah. So it seems like he's, well, it's a common theme throughout the whole album, is that it's kind of dealing with um, a rough Walking patch. on dangerous territory. Yeah, or Places just like... Places where that are going to, if you walk somewhere, it's going to hurt someone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, there's one for me. There's another one for me. Oh, you're uh, cra- oh my goodness. Me. Stop your belches. Hey, you're still ahead of me. Quelch the belch. Quelch the Belch. All right, that's another Bruising Tunes uh, first. Quelch your Belch. Uh, <laughs> Hashtag Quelch your Belch. Yes. All right, move on. Yes. <coughs> the next song is called Follow Me. Ooh, burp again. Which I think, personally, is a fantastic album ender. Mm-hmm. This song. Um, it's, apart from the entire album... It is a completely different feel musically. Like, it starts off with an acoustic guitar. Man. Um, and, of course, the last line. Well, actually, no. Let me, let me begin with a different line. Uh, there are a couple lines through the song that I really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is... Um, so this song, Follow Me, he's talking about, like, leaving a girl that he kind of likes. Yeah. But he's like... This is it. If you want to be lovesick and lonely, like I'm oh, gonna, yes, I'm yes, gonna yes, leave. Yes, yes, lovesick and lonely. I remember yeah, the I'm line. I'm gonna yeah. leave. Yeah. And so one of this, one of the lines that I su- like really, really liked is called. Uh, it's he says, holding, holding your drink like it's killing you slowly. I just like that line, in general. Because I always pick like, if you're like on a date or something like that, and you're just like. Having a drink, and you're like, oh my gosh, like this is like um, you have to rely on the drink. Oh my gosh, this is terrible. To, yeah, to, you, you rely on your drink to get you through yeah. a date, right? Yeah, so like holding your drink like it's killing you slowly. You're not invested in the date. You yeah. need to rely on your drink to carry you through, just so you can move on and forget about it, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But then, it's so like I like that line, but then the killer line at the end is. When he says, this is my love song, and this is how it ends. And then, boom, the album's done. I guess what he's <laughs> what he's saying is, like, this entire album, this entire past album about past relationships, about whatever else, uh-huh. like, this whole album is my love song, and this is how it ends. And then, it's done. Correct. So I, I just thought that was a really good album ender. 
I, I agree. I think they. they I probably give that a four. They chose uh, that. Uh, to I didn't. Put it in I right didn't place. rate it, but I give it a four point five out so of five. Overall, what do you think about the album? Overall, I thought it was a fantastic album. Uh, four point five out of five. And definitely. Like he said before, this is the kind of album where you might listen to it and think, like, it, you might take the album at first listen and say, it's okay. Yeah, that's what I. That's exactly what. But I, I did. promise you. If you give it a couple more listens, you will really fall in love with it. Oh, yeah. The yep. melodies are universal. The themes are really relatable. It's just... It's so ridiculously good. And like Steve said, just picture driving down a sunny road, going to the lake in a truck. And this is the album like you want to listen to during that time. Yes, this is a great Definitely. summer album. So... Since I gave you a pop-punk album the past couple weeks, I'll change it up this week, all right? Here's what I recommend for you for the next upcoming week. Okay. Something that's near and dear to my heart, what I would call the best band in the entire world, Blink-182, their hit 1997 album, Dude Ranch. This is what catapulted them into spotlight. Not when, not what made them famous, but what catapulted them into spotlight. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. This album did not have them on repeat on MTV. Okay. Right. Yep. But this got them noticed. Yeah. So, what would okay. you recommend for awesome. me? Awesome. Yes. I, w- I can't wait to listen to that. Oh, I can't wait for you because, to listen to it. I mean, since I since I met Steve. I've listened to way more Blink-182. <laughs> um, but I still have not listened to full albums by them. So, listen Missing out, dude. You're really missing out. Anyway, uh, the album that I'm going to recommend for Steve is going to be a little bit less dense than, than The Decemberists. Praise the Lord. Um, what you listened to before, The Shins, uh, James Mercer is the lead singer for that group as well. With Dead Mouse? With uh, Dead Mouse, yes. Okay, correct. I, I believe it's Dead Mouse. All right. Pretty uh, sure. Well, that anyway, was my, I think that was my last burp for the yeah, podcast. Yeah, you know what? You know what? Let's let's count. I think up it's time this, to sign off. Let's count up this burp tally real quick. Yeah, let's do the burp tally. Okay. Uh, so how Steve, much do I have? Five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, thirty. Thirty-four. Thirty-four. That's a lot of tonight. belches. It's pretty good. Five for me, Jesse. Five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine. Okay, that's pretty well, close, but. You beat me in burps this time. In the end, I think it was because the Imperial IPA, it must not have hit me. Um, it hit you late. It was a, it was a, it was a slow, it was a gradual. The carbonation? Carbonation. I, I have no idea. I don't really know why it affected me later than earlier. <laughs> I have no idea either. Who knows? Uh, beer is an interesting thing. I don't, I don't it's know. A, it's an enigma. <laughs> it's an enigma. Oh, that doesn't count. I know it doesn't. We already counted. <laughs> anyway, uh, Steve is going to listen to the self-titled album Broken Bells by The Broken Bells. Jesse is going to listen to Dude Ranch by Blink-182, my absolute favorite band of all time. Anyway. And let us sign off with our saying, uh, which is... This has been Bruising Tunes. I'm Steven Johnston. And I'm Jesse Titus saying goodbye.
Goodbye. Till next time. And cheers. And blah, 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 blah.